0: Are you ready to start busting the overwhelm that keeps you frustrated and stressed so you can experience peace and freedom? Well, let's have a free, no obligation chat. Just head on over to MrProductivity.com. That's Mr. All spelled out. M-I-S-T-E-R. MrProductivity.com and click the coaching tab and hop on a free call with me. Let me see how I can help you. David Richmond is an endurance athlete whose mission is to form more meaningful human connections through storytelling. His first book, Winning in the Middle of the Pack, discuss how to get more out of ourselves than ever imagined. With Cycle of Lives, David shares stories of people overcoming trauma and delves deeply into their emotional journeys with cancer. He continues to do Ironman triathlons and recently completed a solo 4,700 mile bike ride.
1: David, welcome to the show. Thanks, Mark. Very excited to be here.
0: You know, I broke my rule again. We were having this great conversation before I hit record. I'm like, David, I got to hit record here because, you know, all that stuff wasn't recorded and the listener missed out on it. But it was a great conversation nonetheless.
1: No, that's all right. We'll keep it going.
0: So I just read in your introduction that you did a solo. And I want to say this again for the listener in case you just kind of like zoned out in the introduction. I understand. Solo. 4,700 mile bike ride. I want the listener to understand how many miles that is. Now I used to be a bike rider. I'm a daily runner now. I've been running since 2017 every day, but I used to be a bike rider. I I think the longest bike ride I ever took was 20 miles. This is 4,700 miles. How long did that take you?
1: I did it in very short time. I did it in 45 days. Whoa. And I took, uh, I was planning to take three rest days, but I had to take four because I ran into a hurricane and, and the, the, the roads were shut (laughs) down and it was pretty dangerous. So, uh, so yeah, if you do the math, that is, uh, roughly 110 miles a day and on a solo ride where I'm I'm on a heavier bike, Mark. It's because uh, I got bags and I, I got gear and I'm taking extra water because it's super hot. And, uh, you know, I'm burning six, 8000 calories a day of food. So I got to wow. I got to stop for food and, you know, I got flat tires and whatever. So I, I averaged uh, just over 11 hours a day. My shortest day was six and a half hours. My longest day was 17 hours. But I My did. Word. Yeah, it was. It was crazy. It was it was nuts. I didn't take the first rest day until uh, about a um, thousand miles in, and, wow. and ten days, a thousand miles in. That was rough, man. It was t- It was really uh, it was a battle.
0: Well, I live in Houston, Texas, and so there's no hills around here. And so doing that kind of mileage, when I did twenty miles, I had the wind in my back. It was all flat, and it didn't take me that long. It didn't take a lot of effort. Obviously. 4700 miles you're probably going to run into wind you're probably going to run in the hills so where did you start from and end
1: up it's so funny houston because i'm gonna take a risk of offending you but i'm not gonna offend you so i get (laughs) asked all the time like oh man like like what's your favorite part of you know the the bike ride like what was the most beautiful and i'll tell them this or that and they go that what's the toughest and i go oh there's not even a question houston Houston really? was absolutely, cause there's no bike lanes anywhere. In oh, Houston. true. Yeah. And the cars going 60 miles an hour in the 30 mile zones. And you got two inches between the, the car and the curb. It was, I was scared out of my wits biking through Houston. So I started in LA, uh, down to San Diego and then, uh, zigzagged across the desert, uh, into New Mexico, uh, went into the great state of Texas through post Texas in the Northwest, uh, uh Area, and then made my way down to uh, Dallas, uh, down to Austin, up to Houston, and then down the Panhandle. Uh, turned right at um, at uh, Panama City Beach and went down to Tampa, and then went over to just north of Orlando, and then zigzagged my way up to New York City.
0: Wow! Well, I will tell you, I'm originally from Rochester, New York, and when I moved okay. down here, I was a bike rider and. We have curbs on the side of our streets for flood control. And so to your point, if you're going down the road and you just can't like pull off into the grass, like you can in some of the smaller towns, it's yeah. a curb there and you'd have to wait for a driveway or another road or a parking lot. So I understand a hundred percent what you're talking about. People like to drive fast. I don't drive very much. I'm a hermit. I don't leave my house very often except for yeah. my daily run, but I know the listener wants to know this question, the answer to this question. Why? Why would anyone, a sound mind, and obviously you're a sound mind guy because you're on the podcast. I don't have weirdos on my show. Why would you do this, David?
1: Uh, you, you know, if somebody had told me to do it, I, I wouldn't have done it, right? Because <laughs> I mean, why are you going to do something that hard just because somebody uh, hopes that you'll do it? But I was kind of compelled to do it. Uh, this this, the... The the reason why Mark started uh, several years before that. So, um, without boring everyone about what got me to a low point in life, I was at a really low point in life, and uh, I really need to make some changes. I was was overweight. I was a smoker. I was completely stressed out. I, I worked in the corporate world and had a lot of responsibility, and had some positive things in my life, but really my personal life was was really a shambles and, and I was not on a, on a good path and I made a change. I I just, uh, I just purposely transformed myself and just said, okay, you gotta, you gotta take control of your life and, 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 you know, lean into the good and get rid of the bad. And that brought me along this big, long journey of doing what would eventually be endurance athletics. But I, I went down this like journey of trying to be healthy. Uh, mind, body, physically. Mm-hmm. At the exact same time, Mark, that I embarked on that change in, in my late thirties, um, my sister, who I was very close to, she was 16 months older than me, um, called me up and said, Hey, um, I'm, I'm, I, I got some, some news. I'm, I, I've got terminal brain cancer. Mm. And I went, ah, oh. and, and, you know, where I was just getting out of a really bad, interaction with the world and my bad self and now starting this hopefully endless journey towards happiness and health. Here was a woman who had happiness and health and and was living her best life and, and the, her journey was going to be very short. I was pretty touched by that. And uh, so we talked and, you know, we, we talked about her kids and her husband and friends and what's like to die. And I mean, every emotion you could ever imagine, you know, we kind of talked about and I noticed, Mark, over the couple of years that it took for, for the cancer to take her, that it didn't matter if it was a doctor, a patient, a survivor, family member, certainly, um, but everybody had some degree behind the thought of they didn't know how to talk about the emotions of mm. cancer. They could talk about like how you get treated. How are you gonna eat better? How are you gonna get the kids watched? Why you go to chemo? How do you navigate time off of work? Those kind of things they could talk about, you know. Like they could drop off a casserole and ring the doorbell and 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 see you later. But but you know, to really start the hard conversations about the emotional side of it, um, I just was hearing that and seeing that over and over and over. So I said, well, I wonder why that is, and I went. On this quest to try to figure that out, and that's what led me to to this project. That eventually, what um, um, was the bike ride? So that's kind of the setup of it. Um, what the project uh, was and still is is called Cycle of Lives, and and what I wanted to do was to gather enough people uh, that would show me a three sixty view of trauma, cancer all different ages, all different types, uh, fear of cancer to having fi- cancer five times in their adult life. I wanted doctor, patient, loved one. I wanted people that encountered cancer when they were young, when they were old, lost people, recovered people. And I wanted Mark, a range of emotions because we all have the same basic emotions, but we are, do not have the same emotional responses to things. Mm-hmm. I even... um dealt with um a uh, one family who um they, they lost the they they lost the mom um but when she found out she had uh cancer she f- uh, had immense gratitude uh, and could you imagine that so I wanted a wide range of emotions and then I wanted to go deep into why is it that they don't let people in why do they self isolate or why do they um get abandoned? Right. Why is it that why is it that we're so it's so hard to bridge that gap about the emotional side? And so I talked to the people for a couple of years, got to know them very, very, very intimately and very deeply. In fact, um, you know, I know you love that idea of, hey, let me ask you a question that nobody's ever asked you. When I was talking to these people, every single one of them multiple, multiple times were like, yeah. And I really talked about X, you know, whatever it is. And so we got super deep. And then I thought, since we're all connected by emotion and we're all connected by story, why not connect them by jumping on my bike and being the string that connects those people? So I hadn't ever met uh, most of them ever. And I said, why not just get on my bike and connect those stories? So that's why I went on the bike ride. Long answer to your to your question, but that that's it in a nutshell.
0: Well, no, I think it's a great story that you shared with us. And I recently lost my mom in June of this year, 2022 to Alzheimer's. And when Mm -hmm. she first got diagnosed four years ago, a lot of people said, well, how are you dealing with it? I'm like, she's my mom and I love her and I miss her, but I didn't go through the lot of emotions because I became educated in Alzheimer's. It's very. It's a disease that you can prevent, but once you get it, you're out of luck. That's why I'm like you. I'm really taking care of myself now. I I run every day. I'm you know drinking a lot of water. I'm eating a lot of the right foods, and now that's now I. It's not as bad as Trump. I guess death is death. I mean, if you doesn't matter if you die in a car wreck or cancer or Alzheimer's, you're losing someone you love. And different people, I found, and you probably found too, different people found out. You know, they dealt with different things. Now with cancer. The person probably still has their cognitive abilities. My mom mm-hmm. did not, but after about two years, she wasn't there anymore. She was like a three-year-old child, which is really difficult because you, you can't ask her what she's feeling. You can't ask her what right. she's thinking because that part of her frontal cortex is gone. I mean, I know more about Alzheimer's than I ever wanted to know. But when you have someone you lose Alzheimer's, you tend to educate yourself about this disease. Mm -hmm. You, on the other hand, had a benefit because you could ask these people the questions and they were able to tell you, which I think is fascinating. So tell us some of your insights, which are obviously in your book that we're going to talk about at the end of the show that you learn from talking to these people.
1: Yeah. So I didn't know what to expect because I wasn't looking to um, get answers to a question. Okay, I did want to know I had a major question. The major question was, why is it that we have such a difficult time starting the hard conversations around the emotional aspects of trauma, especially of cancer? In other words, think about this. Anybody that's listening, there's somebody at work and they walk by and you see they're kind of like really down and you're having a great day and you just want to. Bubble over about something good that just happened, but you oh you're not sure what to do, and you go hey what's happening and they go oh and you go what and they go oh my neighbor's kid man I just found out my neighbor's kid I got cancer and I don't know what to say to my neighbor and you go oh geez I'm really sorry to hear that and then you exit the conversation as quickly as you can because yep. you don't what well, what are you going to say you don't know what to say well. There's so much to unpack if you could just take a minute and and maybe it's that wasn't the minute. But in that scenario, maybe the reason that that person took it so hard was maybe they had a childhood friend who died of cancer. Mm-hmm. And this is bringing all of that back. Maybe the last time that this person spoke to her friend she said something completely insensitive and she's afraid to call her and talk to her about this issue because she's like, Oh my God. I got to apologize. I don't know how to. Po-. There could be a million things going on, but the, what we want, what we like to do is to exit these conversations as quickly as possible. Or let's say it's between a son and his mom, like, or a daughter and his, and, and, and their child. You just don't want. You don't want to go a place that might be really uncomfortable for somebody to go, right? Like, oh, I don't want to ask you how it feels to be that sick because I don't want you to, like, face the fact that you're that sick. And I, yeah, you know, there's a million things going on. So I didn't go in trying to find the answers to tell you, Mark, how do you, how do you have these card conversations? I, I don't think I'm qualified to do that. What I wanted to do was to get as deep as I could inside of each person's head. And I wanted to be able to tell their stories in a way where we could identify with them. Uh, The childhood, young adult, adolescent traumas they had, things that as humans, we all have been through or have been very close to going through or know intimately about things such as a drug addiction or suicide or death of a parent when you're a kid or um abuse, neglect, abandonment, um, bullying, um, uh, you name it. All these things that when we're little really, really stick with us and affect us and they're locked up in our heads and they really drive who we are and how we emotionally connect to others later in life. I wanted to unpack those stories so that the reader could go – Oh, you know, when you say there's a lot more behind the thing of you never know what people have been through or what they're going through. Oh, that gives me some insight. And so that was my goal with each person was to, was to, was to reveal them in a way where we could go, I can identify with that so that it might give me one tiny little tool on my belt that, 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 that I could employ later in life. When somebody has a situation that's, oh, just a little bit like that, maybe I'm empowered to understand what they might be going through. Now I can feel empowered to use that tool and ask more questions or provide a, a safe space for them to talk or understand possibly what to say or what not to say just because of that other person's experience. So I want—I think stories stick with us mm. and especially, you know, a seminal ones, like if you would have you know, if you go a little bit further in, into your story, it, it wouldn't ever leave me that somebody that's two years and a four-year Alzheimer's disease is like dealing with a three-year-old, right? I've never I've never dealt with anybody with Alzheimer's, but that rings a bell to me. It's a story that's going to stick with me forever and ever and ever, and I'm going to be able to reflect on that and go, okay, that's a that's a tool I can use. That's a little piece of information I can use that if I go if i talk to somebody else and they go oh you know um, my mom's a couple of years into into alzheimer's and i'm like man how are you able to communicate with her Mm -hmm. oh i'm really not why uh right so 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 that's what i wanted to do was was to reveal just the essence of who we are as human beings especially around the emotional aspects of trauma and that's what drove the conversations
0: What's interesting is my father's still alive. So my father and my mom were married for 58 years. Wow. And so he's struggling with that because he's been married to my mom since she was 18. I mean, it's a long time. Wow. And one time my dad had to go to a hospital, go to the hospital to have a minor procedure done in his pacemaker in his heart. And I had to take care of my mom and I was the dad to my mom because she's a child And that was really bizarre. I remember talking, I called, I FaceTimed my wife later. I'm like, this is so bizarre. Like my parent has become the child, the child becomes the parent. Yeah. And that is really bizarre. If anyone listening has ever dealt with that, it is very bizarre, but I, I, she's still my mom. She brought me into this world. And even Mm -hmm. though in the, the months prior to her death, you know, she knew who I was to her dying day. She knew who I was, but she couldn't talk. I mean, she could say my name and it took her maybe three minutes to come up with the name. It's a dementia and Alzheimer's very, very debilitating diseases because physically they're still there until the frontal cortex gets to a point that it just the body starts wasting away. That's that's why you die. As far as I know, I'm not a doctor, but the frontal frontal pre-cortex is completely destroyed by the Alzheimer's, then everything just stops. You stop breathing, everything stops functioning. But you can look at a person, the early onset Alzheimer's, maybe they forget things or whatever, and they look fine. Mm -hmm. They look fine. And like, even with cancer, there are people who may have brain cancer. You can't look at someone unless their head is shaved, that they They see cancer. And so, to your point, you're in the office or something. You can't look at someone and know what they're going through because it could be a domino effect, like you imagine. It -hmm. could be a friend of theirs in another state, their child, whom you had a somewhat good relationship with, and you feel the pain because you're really good friends with this other person. And I'm with you. Sometimes you don't know what to say. And the research I've done is sometimes just being there and not saying anything. Is comforting now. Obviously, you probably can't do that at work if you're, you know, trying to do the, the busy things, but it is a very interesting conversation to, to talk to people. Let me ask you this mm-hmm. when you were talking to different people, I'm going to assume that you not only talk to the people with cancer, you probably talk to the loved ones as well. If that is true, what was the difference between the person who's actually struggling with the cancer mm-hmm. and their loved ones? Got overwhelmed? Then you need to get my free guide, 10 quick ways to conquer overwhelm. This free guide will help you quickly deal with overwhelm so you can get back to making the impact you've dreamed of. Get your copy for free at overwhelmsucks.com.
1: Yeah, it's a gr- it's a really good question. Uh, I'd say maybe a third of the stories are people that, um, didn't have the cancer themselves. They were the survivor or the loved one. Uh, The uh, first story in the book is, is Bobby who uh, his story is super fascinating. I would have loved, loved, loved to been able to talk to Brandy, but uh, she had passed away several years before, but I was just so intrigued by Bobby's story because um, the further I got into it, the more compassion I had for um, the effect that one human can have on another. And, It's a a backwards way of answering your question, but there's either with a person that is a caregiver, loved one, you know, the doctor, the 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 spouse, the the parent who's taking care of a child, or vice versa. Their ability or inability to connect on an emotional level—it's like if they're able to connect, there's some. Absolute, stunningly beautiful, inspirational, like just you can lean in and just soak in the humanity of their experience for the most part. On the other side, if they weren't able to make that emotional connection, they hesitated, they were afraid to go there, they didn't have the safe space to go there or whatever, then you're kind of touched by that isolation and and the loneliness and the regret and the pain that people carry around so it's it's really it was really fascinating to me so back to bobby's story was he was a a really bad guy um uh, not his best self and uh bad relationships and very not happy and angry guy or whatever and he meets this woman who he he says David, the second I met her, it's like a new, I, I had a new pair of glasses. Like I saw the world in a completely different mm. way. And they had this just m- massive love affair. A couple of months, uh, weeks after they met, she, she got cancer. Uh, they went through it together, learning about each other. He goes, I I learned, I, I met my wife. I knew I found out about my, my wife. I found out about Brandy through why she was in the chemo chair, like, couple of weeks in the meeting that she went they get through it. And then about a year later, he says, Hey, let's get married. And right before they get married, uh, she, cancer comes back. They get married. She starts treatment, but it, it, it metastasizes and and she's gone a, um, several months later. Absolutely tragic. And, um, but when I had met him, he was married and happily and had been for maybe about a dozen years And he was the happiest guy ever. And I needed to understand, like, how do you lose the love of your life? And, and, and how, like, how is that possible that you can then move on? I mean, what an inspirational, hopeful story. And the short of it is that he and Brandy, when they knew she was going to die, all bets off, they, everything, they talked about everything everything possible under the sun, the good, the bad, the ugly. She made him promise to go to therapy after she passed. She, she was just like, at one point she said, listen, man, you are the best Bobby you're ever going to be. Don't, don't keep that from the world. Go find someone like you got to make somebody happy because I'm not the person that can enjoy it but somebody else can't. You're the best person that you could be. And so imagine connecting with somebody over something so tragic and just being your best self and being able to lean into the essence of like who you ever could be in life, right? That's what Brandy gave Bobby. And he was able to now bring that into the world and so, um, uh, and, and, and they still, he and his wife still do an annual fundraiser, you know, in Brandy's mm-hmm. honors. It's a really wonderful story. They're wonderful people. And, um, and, and, and that might be contrasted to another story where they weren't able to connect. People weren't able to connect on the emotional side. And we can learn from that a little, a little more tragic, a little less fulfilling and certainly, um, uh, a starker and a little darker, but, um, Again, long answer to your question, but when you, when you talk to people that are going, not the primary person, but the secondary people around there, the doctors, the nurses, whatever, their ability to connect on an emotional level with people really defines, um, how, how, how the cancer, the trauma affects them. And, um, and that's why I think it's so important. If there is a silver lining, I don't know that there's any silver linings to Alzheimer's um, if, or any kind of a quick death, you know, an accident, suicide, something like that, where there isn't any answers. If there is a silver lining to cancer, obviously, it's not always terminal. Uh, if it is terminal, the silver lining is there usually is a window of time that allows you to connect with the people around you on an emotional level, on any other level, you can, you can tie a bows. You can, you can wrap packages up. You can, you can settle problems. You can set up people for what happens post-death, right? There's a, there's a window of time, even with terminal cancer, where you can, you can kind of wrap things up. You can't do that in a lot of other cases. So there is a silver lining to, to that. And that's kind of why I chose, um, uh, to, to make sure that the cancer was a part of it. Cause who hasn't been touched by cancer? Number one. And number two, cancer gives you something that maybe Alzheimer's and a lot of other really traumatic things don't give you, which is the opportunity to connect with the people in your life. Mm-hmm.
0: And I, I, I said this numerous times on my show before, and it bears repeating. You are not promised another day, another hour, another minute or another second. So if you're holding a grudge with somebody, Maybe you got in a squabble yesterday, last week, last year. Here's an idea. How about you start patching those fences because nobody gets off this planet alive and you don't know when your final day is going to be. And I see so many people are so angry where, you know, this is November, you know, 2022. We have an election coming up and there are so many people are so angry. And it's like, so you want to waste your precious seconds every day being angry at another group or another person, I don't get it. And I, I think people need to step back and go, okay, yeah, I don't like what's going on over here. But in the grand scheme of things, mm-hmm. how do I want to exit? Do I want to exit with people saying, man, that Mark guy, he was a really good guy. He tried to do his best on his podcast or on his coaching. Or do I want people to go, man, what a jerk, man. All you had to do is he just kept picking on people. And I know I want to choose. I I got a feeling I know what you would choose. The point is, I want people to stop and think, is it really worth sending that mean tweet or posting that mean post? Is it really worth it? I mean, what kind of satisfaction is it going to give you compared to mending the
1: fences
0: of the people you've Mm -hmm. had problems with in the past?
1: Yeah, it's really well said, Mark. And, you know, I would say, you know, um, that... When I talked to a couple of the doctors, there's, there's, there's three doctors that are uh, in the book. One, one's an oncologist. The other was a, a, um, a, a OBGYN. She, she's amazing, amazing person, amazing story. And another w- was uh, the chief medical officer of a, of a health plan. And uh, he w- originally started as a doctor and his first patient was a, was a illegal alien um, who had a uh, brain cancer. And, and was a lot like him. Uh, 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 he was one, literally one generation away from working in the fields, right? So he had a lot of compassion for this guy. And each one of these people who are super smart, way smarter than me, they had something along the lines of this. Our brains are not wired to be able to contemplate, understand, or wrap our brains around the thought that we are not immortal. We We can't do it. Our brains cannot contemplate our own death, even seeing death every day our brains can't contemplate the fact that we're gonna die it's just it's just this this wacky thing about humans mm-hmm. and so what you just said is so profound because if you do have some understanding of the fact that you can't wrap your brain around the fact that you're you're mortal and you're gonna die one time if you can only do that, that gives you an idea that you should think that you need to try to figure that out and if you could just think okay maybe one of these days like oh, i don't get it but okay i'm gonna die then okay you're right just act a little nicer take the risk that you needed to take right don't have any regrets don't i mean it, ways are said than done i'm not preaching i am certainly not preaching right but it's like uh, it's like, just go, go be your best person, right? Just, just do it. Just try, try, try to be your best person. And, and a lot of us d- don't give ourselves the permission to do that, hmm. be our best person. And, 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 uh, because we don't want to fail and we don't look stupid or I could tell you a million reasons why, but it's like, do, do try. I yeah. Mean, do do try. Right. Just try.
0: I think it's funny is I I post three videos a day on TikTok and YouTube shorts and Snapchat and Instagram. And what's amazing is every once in a while, I'll get these trolls. And fortunately, with YouTube, I can say I have to prove all comments. Some people will add nasty comments like somebody. I posted a video recently and someone says, oh, you look like you lost a battle of leukemia. Why would you say that to somebody? That's of terrible. course, I deleted the comment because yeah. I mean, or they make fun of them bald or I have a lazy left eye. I'm like, really? So I'm talking about I'm giving you a productivity tip in like 45 seconds. And you thought, you know what I'm going to do? I've got four followers. I got no friends. I'm in my parents basement. I'm going to put a nasty comment on someone's post. And it happens to content creators all over the world. Yeah. And I'm like, I really feel sorry. I just get angry at these people. <laughs> Gary Vaynerchuk, maybe understand something. I feel sorry for these people because they've got to be. So if your life is leaving nasty comments on people's posts, I feel sorry for you because you got to be so unhappy. Mm-hmm. I mean, th- do you agree with that?
1: Oh, I, I, yeah, I don't uh, do any nasty comments. I, I, yeah, I, I mean, I'm not nearly a uh, probably on social media as much as you are, but I would never do that because you never know what somebody's going through. You never know what they've been through. You just don't. And the depth of that is astounding. It really is astounding. And um, I I think that people that do that type of stuff, um, they don't value themselves and they don't value the human experience because, uh, if if they only knew. What you had been through, if they only knew your intention, if they only could get inside of your head for one second to realize that you're trying to make a difference in this world and against all the other traumas and uphill battles that you've gotten through emotionally, physically, mentally, whatever. And I don't know what any of those are because I don't know you, but I'm positive. That there's some barriers that you had to overcome, and that you're trying to give back to the world in a way that's pure and intentional and is is good for you and good for the world, if they only could see that for one second they they would they, they there's no way they would ever say anything bad, and people don't value themselves so they don't value others and yeah. and I mean there's no there's no greater lesson that I learned. Uh, in talking, and I talked to way more than 15 people, 15 people made the book, but there's no greater lesson that I learned. And I'm a smart guy and I'm a servant guy. Okay. No greater lesson than the, the depth of that statement. You never know what people are going through or what they've mm-hmm. gone through. And mm-hmm. um, it's, it's, it's shocking. It's shocking to me that if you give them a safe space to let you know, and they give you A pass into their heads, into their hearts to, 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 to see what's happened and and what they're dealing with. Um, it's just, there's, you can't have anything but admiration and compassion.
0: 100%. Well, the book is cycle of lives. I'm assuming (laughs) it's available wherever we can buy books.
1: It it is, uh, Amazon Barnes and Noble, my website, whatever, something that's important to note, is uh, oh, it's on the Audible too. It's it's an Audible book. It's really the Audible is amazing. I was talking to somebody yesterday who listened to the Audible, and he was like, "Oh my god, you got different actors, so fifteen different actors. He's played one of the fifteen different." Wow. Uh, <laughs> and and what importantly um, is a hundred percent of the proceeds that come to me. So anything net to me uh, uh, gets put into a a five hundred one c three account and gets distributed to the. Uh, cancer focused organizations that were chosen by the book participants so those are nice. listed in the book they're listed on the website um, so uh, any sale 100% of what would come to me goes out to charity so it's 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 also a it, you learn something about the human condition but it's also you feel good you know it's not, not a lot of money in books but at least <laughs> there's a little bit you know um what's the website uh it's cycleoflives.org Okay, and they can find out about books I've written. I also do like expressive writing workshops, teach people how to kind of have have a reframe of the discussion. I often talk about connecting with others, but through expressive writing, you can connect with yourself and and um um you know really have a different conversation than the mean one that's usually happening inside your own head, right. <laughs> yeah.
0: Yeah, I, I've conquered that that demon. I, you know, I wake up every day. I'm Tigger for Winnie the Pooh. For those listeners who know what Winnie the Pooh is, I, I love what I do. And I, I my biggest mission in life is to get people to do what they love to do, because I really believe that everyone has a reason why they're on this planet. There's nobody here. By accident, everyone's here for a reason. I didn't discover my purpose until I was like in my early fifties, mm-hmm. and that's okay. If you're wondering, oh, what's my purpose? Don't sweat it. Don't don't get upset or nervous or anything. Just it'll come to you. I had a coach tell me what mine is, and so just be open to that. But I I believe everyone here, every plant every person on this planet. I don't care what color you are, what language you speak, what country you live in. Everyone is here for a reason. And what I find sad is a lot of people, I don't obviously have a percentage. A lot of people don't even take the time to discover what their purpose is. They just go through the motions. And I'm like, that's sad because you're here for a reason. I don't know what that reason is, but I just encourage people to do some research, do some self introspection. Why am I here? And maybe you have to read a bunch of books, listen to a bunch of podcasts, whatever the case may be get a coach or a therapist but you're here for a reason and the reason why i wanted david mm-hmm. on the show is we're all going to die at some point we're all going to die at some point and you know you're going to have to have those difficult conversations with your family your friends people at work that are that are dying or whatever the case may be and I just encourage you to go to org and pick up the book and follow David on his social media platforms and find out what he's doing because I think your message is spot on. David, I'll give you the final word in the podcast today.
1: Ah, uh, boy. Well, just uh nothing different than what you were just talking about, but I'm gonna give you an easy uh an easy option to finding out that purpose. And uh if this resonates with anyone, Go do it because I did it, and I, I it was probably the what what changed me from having no purpose to trying to find my purpose, and that was uh, not reading books or talking to people or whatever. It was I I literally stood in front of a mirror and had a conversation with myself. Hmm. I wasn't I didn't look away. I felt stupid as heck. I was just like, <laughs> what? but I was at such a low point, and I just. I just realized, you know, that I was the problem. Some Somebody had mentioned like, dude, you're, you're the problem. And I went, man, I don't even know myself. So I just looked in the mirror and I, and I talked to myself for about an hour out loud, embarrassed, ashamed. I, 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 I listed my good qualities, my bad qualities. And I just kept asking the question, which I didn't know the answer to, like, who are you? Like, who are you? And, and what are you going to be like? Mm-hmm. And I was in my late thirties. Like, who are you? I didn't, I didn't even know. I didn't know really the answer to the question. <laughs> right. And so that, that, that allowed me to start to figure out like my, maybe I should be intentional about finding out my purpose, you know? Mm. So if that resonates with anybody, sure. Pick up a good book, talk to people, you know, uh, you know t- turn to your pastor, whatever, whatever, right? Whatever. Yeah. But, but it's like, wow, man, sometimes just having an open, honest, stark, conversation with yourself could give you the ability, the permission to say, okay, I'm going to go figure it out on purpose.
0: You know, I'm glad you said that. Cause I talk to myself all the time out <laughs> loud and out, you know, the dogs look at me like, who's he talking to mom's not home, but I'll be talking and talking. And like, I'm talking to invisible people all of a sudden, yeah. Oh, that's a great idea for a podcast. Oh, there's a great idea for a blog post because something magic happens when you speak it. In my case, all these ideas for videos or whatever kind of content I'm creating. So, yeah, maybe some people could sit in front of a computer or a pad of paper. For me, as I talk out loud throughout the day, these ideas start popping out. So it's nothing to be ashamed of. You talk to yourself within reason. I mean, if you're holding, (laughs) having full blown conversations that we're not talking about that, but great point. Thank you for uh, making me feel better that I'm not weird for talking to myself. No, you're
1: definitely not. I think it's very cool.
0: Thank you so much for being on the show today and sharing your insights with us.
1: Yes. Thanks for having me, Mark. I really enjoyed it.
0: Thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Mark Stuchowski podcast. I really appreciate your time and attention. Before you go, I'd like to ask you for a favor. If you have not subscribed to this podcast in your podcast player of choice, would you do that right now? This way, every time a new episode comes out, you will be informed. Second thing is while you are subscribing, please consider leaving a rating and a review, this helps the podcast get discovered. And the third thing, I know I'm asking a lot of you, the third thing is, if you know of someone who can use this episode right now, why don't you just share it with them? Every podcast player that I'm aware of makes it really easy to share an episode. So if you're thinking of a family, a colleague, a neighbor, a friend who needs to hear this episode, go ahead and hit that share button and send this podcast to them right away so I can help them like I helped you. Thank you so much for listening and we'll be back real soon with a brand new episode.